0: my little sweetbreads. This is the Fig Widow cast. It's me again, Danny Janay, here to talk to you about the struggles of being uh, creative and how we push through them and continue to make. Um, As I sit here right now, I'm thinking about all of the poems that I want to be writing, all of the poems that I need to be reading as well, and also staring at my gorgeous little girl, Delphine, who I just fed. Delphine eats about twice a week. I feed her on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, And I like to write about the process of feeding my tarantulas. Um, I wrote about it when I, when Della was still alive, I wrote about feeding him. And I write about feeding Delphine and what it means to have this creature that is entirely dependent on me to live, but has like no conception of me, doesn't know who I am as a person, even though I I would like to think that she does, but she doesn't. Um, And the weird feeling of love that I have for Della and for Delphine. um, Yeah, so that's what's on my mind today. And it has been on my mind for a long time, Um, especially thinking about hunger as a drive. You know, like I have this hunger to create poems right now. um, I also have a very physical hunger of like, I need to eat some food because I'm very hungry. Um, Hunger that Delphine has because she is a growing thing that needs all the nutrients that that little body could sustain to grow into a bigger body. Um, I write so much about hunger. I feel like maybe I should write about something different, but I can't. I think it's such a, a driving force that how could you write about anything else? And that maybe some things that we think we're writing about something differently all just comes back to a hunger of some sort. But yeah, that's what's on my mind today. What's on your mind? Um this week we're going to be talking about negative self-talk and um self-doubt and how we push through that. So I'm gonna be talking more personally about my own experience and maybe some other time I'll have another guest on to talk with me about how they get through it. Um but first I finished Dunce this week, Dunce by Mary Ruffel. And It was a true delight. There's a poem in here that made me cry that I'd like to read to you. Um, And when I say made me cry, I mean like the depth of my crying is that my eyes sort of well up a little bit and I suck suck all the moisture back in because I don't want to cry. Just like, and it's back inside of me. Like it never even existed. But yeah, there is a poem in here that I really love by her that I would like to read. Um, I'm gonna go in succession though, go in order. So this first poem that I wanna read is not the one that made me cry, but it's called Lightly, Very Lightly. It was raining, I could hear the rain taking the pins out of her mouth. Soft rain became hard rain so that hard things became soft things. The wet leaves under the trees became heavy as diapers. The book left open on the grass could finally sink in her bath without a word. The way, after a hard day, I rest my head on the edge of the clawfoot tub and my mouth falls open, empty at last. Actually, I saw that in a painting when I ducked into a gallery Because it was raining. It is always raining somewhere. Somewhere the wells are filling from above and from below. Somewhere someone is sleeping. Somewhere the lady of the house puts the alarm clock in a drawer where she cannot hear it. Then tells the children to be quiet and stands there listening to it tick. I love the turns in her poems. Like that. We go into this beautiful meditation and like description of you know the clawfoot tub, which is like so romantic. God, I wish I had a clawfoot tub. Um, and we go into that description, and then she's like, "Actually, I saw that in painting, and it's just so funny." And we come back around to these deep meditations, and I just love the structure of her poems, especially ones that have that bit of humor in them. Um, this is a another good one. It's called Super Bowl. Who won, I said. The game's tomorrow, he said. And I became the snail I always was, crossing the field in my helmet. But I had given it my all. While well, the plane arsed on its, on its way to a landing, when I overheard the woman behind us say, I was gathering wildflowers to make a wreath to lay on my mother's grave when my son fell off a mountain in Italy. And I felt such joy over the unknown outcome of her words. I was not ashamed for I can feign interest in the world just as she in that great green meadow must have. <laughs> I had to hold back a laugh from that one, just cause it's like, It, they're just really funny. Oh, I just heard a noise that means my rice is done. Speaking of rice, uh, poet Dinesh Smith had this post on Twitter about how they hate rice. And it started like a war over the weekend. And I thought it was hilarious. Um, but I love rice, so I'm going to eat some a little bit later. But yes, yeah, Super Bowl. Mm. Okay, now we're gonna to get to the one that made me cry. A new dawn. It became clearer and clearer. Finally, it was perfectly clear and then it resembled Napoleon's funeral. The most purple and gold Paris had ever seen. Bees and lilies embroidered on every available inch. Purple is the color of talking about the past and the future as if they were the same thing. Gold is the color of mirth and shambles. You loved and were loved, said the bee to the lily before buzzing off. And the sun spoke. I will drag you along, but the coffin you carry must be empty. Uh purple is my favorite color, so I appreciate poems where purple is a part of it. But also just that sentence of purple is the color of talking about the past and the future as if they were the same thing. Mm. It makes me think about sunsets, the purples and golds. And then the you were loved. You loved and were loved, said the bee to the lily. That's the part that got me. I think that so often in this world, especially when we deal with things like that negative self-talk, we're coached into believing that we're all alone and that nobody cares for us and that nobody loves us and that we're going to live alone and die alone. Um, And so I felt when I read that that I was being spoken to. Um, And I think that pushed me over the edge a little bit of like someone talking to me in such an affirmative way. And I was just like, fuck, fuck. It's so good. Yeah, let me stop before I cry some more. All right, this next one. called Grandma Moses. I love this one. This is for all my artists out there. Real snow glitters. So add glitter to the paint when painting snow. When the barn burns, study a cat's tongue for the shape of the flames. For flames, lick the air. There is no end to their convulsive tenderness then coat them in red and orange feathers. Animosis is the state of being oneself. In this state, there is a village where children do nothing but play. And there is a hay, piles and piles of hay. You can stay, you can bury yourself in the hay. Hooray, hooray, it's Animosis' day. Eating beets with a pitchfork is okay. See what I mean about the turns in her poems they just come they're not signified almost every poem in this collection is like free form long or not even really long like medium to short um and there's very little punctuation there are hardly line breaks I mean like paragraph breaks paragraph what am I talking about stanza breaks um yeah it's just like in sonnets, they have, like, the break after the sextet or whatever, um, and they have the volta that signifies this, like, very huge change. And that break is part of signifying that the the mood and the, the tenor and the voice of the poem is starting to change right then. But hers don't have that. And so they, like, sneak up on you the way that they turn um, and become a completely different voice. Um, and I really like that. I love that it makes me smile every time, you know? Okay. I wasn't planning on reading this one, but I'm going to. Um, it's called Winter Salt. Snowflakes would be more gladsome, but when warmship isn't there, they get mummed down to a hair. Mind you, the nay word has some mastery over us. I cried once when it stopped snowing. A flake looked at me so queer. The queer look of a flake is a sneer. It leaves things ice for a year. I'd be marvelous, barbarous, gladsome when the nay word be lying in the wood, breathing regular and Christmas bells far off. But here comes the cold morn. Who wants a jagged piece of nay in my neck when I want to be left floating in a warm pool in a sum where I belong? Um, gladsome isn't a word. I'm also certain that warmship isn't a word, Um, but just that there's literally like somersaults in the language that she's using. I'd be marvelous, barbarous, gladsome. When you say that sentence outside, it's like, you want to bob your head to the like, marvelous, barbarous gladsome that goes on in that sentence. It's just so good. Okay, I think I'm gonna read one more, but I can't tell. Ooh, okay. Okay, last one, vow of extinction. From this day forward, all plants, except the lemon tree, will be banished from my poems. From this day forward, I will be to the sky. All clouds shall be banished in my memory of them, vanished like memory itself. Not even a lime shall sneak in. Animals shall exit my poems, including those that cross the sky and herds are as stragglers. Without plants, without animals, people cannot survive in my homes. So they too shall be sent, those with shoes and those without, in a long line, leaving. Leaving myself under the lemon tree, wedded to the sky that is light, then dark, then light. Candles are forbidden. I will feel the terrible weight of twilight as it falls over the land like a despondent minx. Words I might formerly have used for squirrel. From this pretentious preposition, I shall write my poems and try to reach those who no longer exist. They are not in this poem or any other. From this day forward, I eat lemons in my park their complete similarity to me can now be distinguished. To speak of my promise, my offering to the sky puts a sprig in my mouth. Would this not then be my entry into society? (sighs) Man, I really enjoyed this book. If you wanna read more poetry, highly recommend that one as maybe your starter collection into trying to get into more poetry um this week i plan on buying a book i know i said i was going to slow down but i have to get this one because i am going to go see her in january it's carmen maria machado's uh, new memoir called in the dream house so i'm going to be picking that up this week and starting to read it and i'm really excited about it um because it touches on a subject that is something that I have experienced in my life. And I feel that when I read books about things that I've experienced, I feel this <laughs> immense human connection that is stronger than anything I've ever felt, even being in the same room as a person. Oh, Delphine is emerging. What's she doing? Oh, I just love watching her move. But, yes, as I was saying, reading stories that are similar to mine make me feel very connected to the author and to everybody in the world, also. So, I'm really excited to pick up that book. I keep saying this every week, but I'm just about finished with Ocean Wong's book. I just have a very tight schedule. I'm always writing for myself or for Otta Straddle or um, for other people. So finding time to read books. Like novels, it's hard for me. I can read poems, but reading novels is hard these days. Um, So when I finish that, I'll come back with my full review. I'll try and finish it by next week and let you know how it is. Um, That's it for the top. I'll be back after a brief break with my Untoppable bot for the week. Hi there. Do you like what I do here? As in making this podcast, uh, attending events, and reading at them, making my own events and reading at them, having other people read at those events, then you can support me in the easiest way possible. You can become a patron to my Patreon at patreon.com slash poet. You can subscribe for as little as $1 a month. You can do 5 You can do 25 You can do 100 if you're balling like that. But it's not necessary to be balling to give a Little bit of money to help support my creative process and all the work that I do that goes into Fig Widow things. If you become a subscriber at $5 a month, you will receive uh, a handwritten thank you note that doubles as a conjuring spell. If you do $25 a month, you can get that handwritten thank you note that doubles as a con- conjuring spell and have it touched with a little bit of lavender. An exclusive Fig Widow merch ring that I'm having made right at this moment And if you do a hundred which is like ooh thank you so much you're a sweetie who understands and appreciates the level of work that goes into creating and performing one's art you're also radical as heck and committed to advancing the voices of black women and that 100 dollars comes with the ultimate prize of a handwritten thank you note and a signed copy for the book application you'll also get it with a ring stick pack and your choice of other merch have it in you if you are able to understand we're all struggling out there give, a little, give as little as a dollar give five dollars give whatever you can and it will be so appreciated and it will support black artists and black art thank you for everything thanks for listening and peace and i'm back with the untouchable bop for the week so this week my untouchable bop is a song that might not read as bop to you, but for me it helped me get through a rough week. So on top of bop for this week is a song called Stronger by uh, Ravina, Ravina Aurora, who is this beautiful um, Indian, Southeast Asian singer, songwriter, who has had lots of bops in the past. Uh, but this song I listened to it and I felt, I felt like it's so good to remind yourself that the people and things that have hurt you are not stronger than you, um, and that even though you feel like you've been knocked down and you're small and insignificant, that you know we are made to feel that way by. Uh, hundred million different things in the world, but that doesn't mean that the things that are acting against you are stronger than you. You just have to find your own, not as physical, but like emotional, spiritual strength and push through them and push past them and push against them. Um, so yeah, this is a really beautiful like ballad. Um, it's slow, it's uh, emotional. I listened to it after hearing some bad news for me, I guess. Um, just some, some dyke drama, honestly. Straight up dyke drama. Um, but yeah, I listened to it after and I was like, okay, I feel less wallowy right now. and um, ready to like do what I gotta do. So highly recommend that song. If you like Ravina, if you like some sweet, sweet ballads, then I would listen to that. Back again, I'm sure you missed me, but I'm here to talk about negative self-talk and what that means specifically as a creative and how to get past it, which is the theme of, I feel like this episode, of getting, pushing past passion and being stronger than these voices, these critics that are in our heads. Um, I'm currently drinking sparkling water. Um, so I might have to be like <coughs> burping off mic So forgive me if you hear something, but it's so good. It's from Trader Joe's. It's the grapefruit flavor. Love it. Um, But yes, negative self-talk. What am I talking about when I say that? For me, that means the voice, the inner voice that is telling you things like you are not talented. Nobody wants to hear, see, uh read what you have to say, what you have to produce. Nobody cares about your suffering, your story, your triumphs, stuff like that. Um, But also you're worthless, you're stupid, you're you're not talented. Uh, Stuff like that is a bit more direct and um, insulting. So that little voice that insults you incessantly That's what I mean when I talk about negative self-talk, but not just that, um, because I feel like negative self-talk has very real uh, outward effects. So there's that little nagging voice in your head that never seems to shut up, but that voice has real-time consequences. So if you have somebody that's telling you that you're worthless and that you're stupid and that nobody cares about what you have to say, then you're going to start talking less. You're going to start writing less. You're going to start putting yourself in a position where, or taking yourself out of positions where you have a platform where you have a stage, stuff like that. Um, When you're presented with opportunities, you're going to feel like you don't deserve them or you're going to feel like, how did I get this? This must be a mistake. This must be some like, um, some weird error in their system or like maybe somebody behind the scenes is working for me. That's one that I have a lot of like, people don't care about what I have to write. And so there must be somebody behind the scenes who like, maybe likes me somehow, some way. And it's like pulling strings for me and that these other people are just like doing it to please somebody else and that everybody else that's involved hates me, but there's only this like one person that's there that like believes in me for some reason. And that doesn't bring me any comfort, surprisingly. That like, well, at least there's one person that believes in me is like, kind of makes me feel even less worthy of the opportunities that I get. Um, Yeah, so like, what do we do with negative self-talk and how does it affect us? Um, So as I was saying, you know we take on those opportunities when we're met with that that language it's all about language I think I think everything is about language but specifically this um that voice in your head that like is just cutting you down at every turn because it's an internal voice I think it's easier for us to believe that it is a part of ourselves but a. uh a different version of ourselves that is talking. Um, and so if that's a version of myself, then what it's, what it's saying must be real and must be true. But that's definitely not the case. Um, as I said, when I was talking to Key last week, I like to think of that voice sometimes as just an amalgamation of different voices in our, in our histories that have said similar things. Um, so like maybe you had a parent that was really not great at being a parent um, or a teacher, a mentor, um, somebody with some sort of power over you that said things to you that made you feel small and neglected um, and not worthy of uh, compassion and love and attention and things like that. Um, And those inner voices are way more of those people than they are of ourselves. They adapt our own voice over the years, but they're not authentically us, I guess is what I wanna say. Um, but even bigger than that, those voices are also like um, systems. Um, this is the word that I'm looking for. Not just systems, but like, uh, societal societal, uh, like, constructs or things like that. I'm blanking on the word that I want to use, but there are things that are bigger than us and, like, different modes of oppression that are used to make us feel small that aren't just individual people. <clears throat> so, like, the institution of racism for me. Um, I'm a Black lesbian woman, so... A lot of that voice comes from racism, white supremacy, misogyny, um, homophobia, lesbophobia, um, and all the sort of intersection of those things. So like misogynoir, um, which is specifically um, something that affects Black women. Um, Yeah, so those modes of oppression also inform the voices that are in our heads because we have these big, overarching, like, systems. I want to just use that word. Um, That have great pool, that have the the biggest platform because they have the most um, bodies behind it, the most money, the most, like, will and fire behind it. And they have, because of that, they have, like, the loudest voice. So that voice adds on to the other voices of the smaller beings in your life that maybe make you feel like you weren't a person that deserved things. And it creates this overarching, deeply personal, but also um, impersonal voice that we hear in our heads on a daily basis. Um... And it's that voice that discourages us at every turn. And for me, that voice more often than not is saying that I shouldn't be writing, that because I got X amount of rejections, that means that all the acceptances don't even matter. Um, All the things that have happened that are good don't matter because there are bad things as well. And the existence of bad things proves that I am not a worthy person. You know what I mean? Um, And that's total bullshit. Because, like, if I'm not worthy, then how come I have all these cool opportunities that I get to do? How come I have people that listen to this? That's fucking weird. People listen to me talk. Um, Listen to me rant about... Spiders and poetry, I think it's so funny that one of my most listened to episodes, actually the most listened to episode is the one about um, spiders, because I feel like that's the one that people would listen to less, but it's the one that I am the, I sound the most excited about, so I think it uh, translates well to people who want to hear somebody talk about what they're passionate about. But yeah, I just like I get in that headspace. And I just want to take all my journals and like lock them up and bury them. Um, I want to take all the stuff that I'm currently working on and trash it. I have um, a shredder. I bought a shredder so that I could get rid of mostly like personal documents, but also poetry documents that I didn't have room for anymore. Just like throw them in the shredder and get rid of them really easily. And when I'm in that space, I want to put the stuff that I've worked really hard on in the shredder, too. Um, And that's a scary feeling of, like, wanting to abandon something that has meant so much to me, so much to me throughout my life. um, Because somebody else, however many years ago, told me that um, it was stupid, or told me that I was too sensitive and too emotional and I needed to buck up and be a big girl and stop crying and stop having all these feelings and just like suck it up and take that treatment and not do anything about it. And instead of not doing anything about it, I just wrote. I wrote until it, it hurt less. Um, and so to think that these voices have the power to make me not want to, uh, you know, engage in this art form anymore, is really sad. Um, And I think it's sad when other people let, not sad, I think it's a huge disservice when other people let that voice get in the way of them and their art. Um, Me and Key were talking about, off mic, about people that just create to do it. Um, So like I, myself, paint just because I like to paint um, and I'm not doing it to have like a, a show like Key's show which will be on December 7th at the Black Hat Market on Butler Street in Pittsburgh um, starts at 7 ends at 9 you can go buy some wine from Key so I'm not going to have a show like that um, but I just do it as a therapeutic mode and how much people think that they have to do things um, to a perfection to a point where they're like Doing things like poetry readings or artist shows and showcases, um, they think they have to do it at that level, and so that voice gets in their head and it's like, "You're not talented enough to do it at that level, so they never do it. And that's another thing that is a, a disservice to you know people that to those of us that want to create in any way. Um, Having that feeling of like, I'm not good enough to even do it for fun. Yeah. Um, So yeah, with negative self-talk comes these effects of like negative um, self-action, I'll say, um, of like depriving yourself of things that would be good for you, things that would enrich you, things that you deserve um, are, are worthy of stuff like that. Um, so, how do you combat that? How do you take away that voice and make it something that is outside of yourself? Um, make it something that is less, less of, um, less of Danny Janay and more of a different voice that is somebody that I could debate. I'm going to talk more about that after a brief break. Okay, so what do you do when that negative self-talk starts going in your brain all crazy? Um, this is some tips that I've learned through extensive therapy um, and psychiatry and working a lot on myself and the problems that I face as an individual, and. Attacking a lot of those uh, negative self-talk points head on. First tip that I got to give is to engage in a friendly debate with that voice. And to do that, you first have to notice the voice. Um, and so instead of cycling through that uh, those thought patterns, you have to notice that you're there and beating yourself up. So you got to notice first and say, hey, I just said to myself that I am... Uh, a piece of shit or I am an idiot or something like that. And once you notice it, you got to take that voice and pull it outside of yourself and make it its own person. So that person, that voice is not Danny Janae. I've ripped her out. She is now Doreen. We'll say her name's Doreen. Now Doreen is outside of me. So I can, uh, do a little bit more fighting back with her, you know? So if Doreen says to me, you're worthless, I can say, oh, really? If I'm so worthless, how come I have friends that love me? And maybe I have a partner that also loves me. And I have uh, opportunities that have been given to me that are super cool and really exciting. And maybe I have a job where I'm part of a team where I am much appreciated and needed. If I'm so worthless, how come I have that? Doreen, right? You can say that to Doreen. Just keep yelling at her and yelling at her. you can use that name too. Yours may not be a Doreen, but if you can't find a name, you can use Doreen for yours. Um, so yeah, talk back to Doreen. Tell her what's really up. Um, tell her that she's wrong in a variety of ways. Or you could just flat out refuse to listen to her. Um, my favorite thing to do is to tell that voice that it's lying. Just say, you're lying. That's not true. You're lying. You're just trying to get a rise out of me. or just trying to get a reaction. I don't care what you got to say. Mute them. Flush it out. Put on some tunes. Put on some Motown. Put on your favorite podcast. And just let it go. Um, another way to combat this self-talk is to pretend that you are not the person being spoken to. This is one that therapists love. Therapists love to whip this out on you. They, they do it and they get the most self-satisfied little smirk on their face. They're like, I'm about to blow your fucking mind with this one. So what it is, it's like, You're saying these things like, oh, I'm this, I'm that, I'm horrible, I'm ugly, I'm never going to find a girlfriend, I'm this, I'm that. Um, So you pull, your therapist will say something like, "Uh, let's think about your friend, um, Kelsey. Let's think about Kelsey. Now imagine someone has just said to Kelsey, you're ugly. You're never gonna find love. You aren't smart. You make so many mistakes, it's ridiculous. Now, how would you respond to somebody speaking to your friend like that? And then you're like, I wouldn't stand for somebody talking to my friend that way. I would fucking be ready to fight if somebody said that to my friend. And then the therapist is like, well now, imagine the friend is you. And it works every single time. But you can feel it coming. You know it's coming. It's like one of the oldest therapist tricks in the book. But every time I do it, you're like, damn, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't talk to myself that way. Like, why is it okay for me to talk to myself this way, but it's not okay for someone to talk to my friend that way? If somebody spoke to my friend that way, I would cuss them out. I would call them all types of names. I would tell them to go fuck themselves. Stuff like that. That trick is like one that works even when you're alone. Um, So if you think about the person being spoken to as not you, you can do that. And that also really helps. Another thing you can do is um, try and replace Uh, those thought patterns that you get into with more aligned things, more realistic things. So instead of saying like I'm worthless, you could say I have made some mistakes. I've done some things that I'm not proud of, but I'm working toward being a better person. I'm working toward being an artist, a creator that I'm proud of. Um, And I have important things to say and I owe it to myself and to other people to keep going with this endeavor. Um, If we have that voice that's like, I'm single and I'll never find somebody that loves me. Uh," You can say, I am single and I've been single for five years and that's okay for right now. Maybe right now I just need to be in that space. Um, but someday, maybe someday, I'll find somebody that truly appreciates me for me and that wants to be with me without changing all the near and dear parts of myself that I hold as evident, self evident, and true. You know? If you have a voice, it's like nobody cares. Nobody cares about what you have to say or what you've done. You can say, sure, maybe not everybody is affected by what I'm doing, by what I'm writing, by what I'm painting, by what I'm producing, but there have, been, there have been people that have come to me and said that they are affected. There have been people that have listened. There have been people that have read, have um, seen, have viewed and complimented the things that I've done. And that is a direct and um, indirect opposition to this idea that um, nobody cares, because I have tangible evidence that there are people that do care. Maybe there's somebody that has bought a piece from you. Maybe somebody commissioned you for a piece. A piece. Maybe somebody asked you when your book is coming out um, and they're really excited for your book to come out and for you to do more readings. And they're asking you when the next time you're gonna be at an event, um, or when the next time you're gonna be singing or dancing someplace. Cause they want to see it. That stuff is like the bread and butter. That's the that's the um, the punch that's gonna knock out that negative self talk when you hit it with some direct evidence, some like scientific ass shit, and you're like, boom! Actually, you're wrong. Then it's like, oh well, I uh, mm, you know that's that better thing that happens when you prove somebody wrong, and they don't have anywhere else to go with their little fruitless, needless comments, that's what's really going to help you out. All right, so that's all I had to say about negative self-talk. I didn't really have a big, long episode in me this week. So sorry about that. I'll come back next week with more for you. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to get in and talk about what it means, what it looks like, and how to find different ways to combat it. I think I covered all that stuff. So if you want to talk more with me about it, you can message me on my Instagram. Um, But right now, I'd like to close with some poems, um, which is a new thing that I want to do when I do an episode by myself. This poem, I think, fits. The theme of this episode because it starts with that negative self-talk and that like catastrophizing and then moves into a different place. It's a poem called Flash by a poet named Hazel Hall. I am less of myself and more of the sun. The beat of life is wearing me to an incomplete oblivion, yet not to the certain dignity of death. They cannot die who have not yet lived. The hungry jaws of space snap at my unlearned eye, and time tears in my flesh like claws. If I am not life's, I am not death. Out of chaos I must re-reap the burden of untasted breath. Who has not walked, wait, may not yet sleep. For me, that line about out of chaos, I must re-reap the burden of untasted breath is about coming out of that space of like, I feel like I've said this phrase a million times, but negative self-talk and that like chatter of how much we don't deserve and how much we dislike ourselves and that chaos of self-destruction from within. We have to Get back the tries that we lost to that stuff. So all the opportunities that were shunned because of that talk, we have to come back and come back twice as hard um, with, to regain that stuff, to regain those opportunities that we lost. Who has not waked may not yet sleep. So to me, that means we have more work to be done the, the speaker on the poem has more work to be done. We, as creatives, have more work to be done. We can't give up because things are difficult or things are harder because things aren't, the outlook of things isn't as we expected it to be when we first started out or when we were just coming to know who we were. Um, and, you know, as we deal with rejection and missed opportunities and other people in our field um, sort of seeming to surpass us, that we don't get to quit, then we have to keep going and keep going until it is also our time. And this last one is just a good one to end on because it's really pretty um, and also just very strong. It's called Incantation. Give me words to please my tongue and words in futile strands like colored beads to twine among the shadows in my hands. Give me words like instruments of steel to probe my mind, that I may name to its impotence the small dark of the blind. Give me words at night to calm like herbs. These I shall keep, pressed to the cheek hot in my palm, to thinly scent my sleep. Yeah, that's just a good one. It rhymes, it flows very well. And give me words to please my tongue and words in futile strands. Give me words like instruments of steel. Those words are words that aren't of malice and of hate and of destruction. Those are words that come from a place of strength and love and hope. And those are the words that we need to dwell on. And so I'm happy that I'm ending on this poem And I hope that you find some strength in these words too. Thank you from the bottom of my cold little heart for listening to this episode and for all the episodes before. It's so greatly appreciated. If you like what I do, you can follow me on Instagram at bellbiv.daho. That's bell.biv.daho, D-A-H-O-E. You can follow me on Twitter at figwidow. You can read the stuff that I write at autostraddle at autostraddle.com and just search Danny Janae. You can find me on Facebook if you're still on there at Danny Janae Poet. Um, yeah, you can follow me on all those things and keep your eyes peeled about things that I'll be talking about in the future. But until then, my dear friends, save spiders and eat fruits.